welcome to the Brews Room on St. Brewis Radio, a weekly discussion of craft beer trends, culture, and brewing. Come join Jeff Britton, owner of Exit 6 Brewery in Cottleville, his brewmaster Justin Helm, Kyle Dent, owner of Shamrock's Pub and Grill in St. Charles, and beer enthusiast Mark Arminio. The Brews Room, alcohol by volume. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Brews Room, episode 11. We have Bill Schroer with us today. He is one of the one of three owners of St. Louis Distillery, makers of Cardinal Sin Vodka. Is that correct? That is correct. Awesome. We've been hoping to get a uh, distiller on here for a long time. We keep talking about it, and finally, after some email chains and whatnot, we got Bill in here with us. Uh, what is this you poured us first? Well, uh, first we have our... You need to uh, get a little closer to the mic, please. We have our Cardinal Sin Vodka here tonight. Um, we brought this to market in 2012. It's uh, our flagship product, I guess you could say. And uh, um, Okay, thanks a lot. <laughs> Sorry, that takes some getting used to. <laughs> and uh, so we released in 2012, uh, and at that point... Uh, uh, we entered all those kind of crazy contests. We got four gold medals with our first four contests. Very so cool. We, so we stopped entering contests. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're expensive. Um, probably more of a racket than anything else, but uh, we were proud of that and uh, came to market then in 2012. So when did you start distilling at St. Louis? Uh, like how long was, was this product in development before well, I mean, the beauty of uh, and why is uh, a distiller, why you start with the vodka, is that yesterday was a very good year for vodka. Oh. Um, <laughs> so uh, un- unlike if you're making a, a 15-year scotch or a 10-year whiskey, uh, which my grandkids would thank me for, um, a vodka we could get off to market very quickly. So uh, what's, the, what's the t- average turnaround time? Uh, our whole process, um, once we get a mash, is going to take us about 10 days. Oh wow! We, oh, wow. we can That's actually get product yeah. very quickly at that point. Um, so, what size are you guys doing? Like a batch of vodka, how much is coming out at a time? So uh, it's going through uh, several stages. I mean, first we get a mash, um, and we pick that up about 350 gallons at a time. You guys could probably tell me better what a 12-barrel tank. I think 12-barrel. Um, and then uh, we have an initial stripping run. Our stripping run will take f- about 40 gallons of that mash. Uh, that's about a seven and a half percent alcohol by volume, about 15 proof, and we'll turn that fairly quickly in a couple hours in a very rudimentary kind of stripper uh, still uh, down to uh, seven or eight gallons of 80 proof, 40 percent alcohol. But that hasn't done anything to clean it up. It's just debulked it. Got rid of the leftover grain, leftover yeast. So you have gone from 350 gallons of mash down to 7 or 8 gallons of no, liquor? No, 40 gallons of the mash in a 55-gallon f- uh, drum. So about 40 gallons of that down to about 7, 8 gallons of 80 proof. Oh, wow. Okay. So okay. so what do you do with the rest of it? If you've got 350 gallons... We, we run it over and over and over and over again. Oh, you just go 40 gallons at a time. Correct. Now I got you. All Sorry. right. And uh, several runs of that will come together. We'll put that into our rectification still. Uh, we'll get into rectification here at some point. Uh, but uh, that will then turn 40 gallons of that initial uh, low wines uh, that we get out of the uh, stripper still and uh, turn it into vodka. And we'll get about 20 to 22 gallons of azeotrope, 96% alcohol, uh, dilute it down, uh, and get about 50 gallons of product. 
So how did you get how did you get started in this in this business in this process? I mean, have you always been somebody who really liked liquor and did you try to make it? I guess you probably didn't try to make it at home first, but yeah, no, that's illegal, yeah, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that that makes you a moonshiner, yeah. and uh, um, all of us had daytime jobs that we kind of wanted to keep and didn't look good in stripes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I, and the reality is, uh, we we tell this a little tongue in cheek, but it's uh, it's certainly true that uh, Greg, Steve, and I were uh, drinking at the time uh, that we came up <laughs> with this idea. Uh, sounds appropriate. Uh, my wife was having a pampered chef party at my house, uh, so I escaped, uh, went down to Greg's house, and uh, we started drinking. Uh, at that point, we kind of figured we knew some guys that made their own beer. Uh, we knew a couple of the uh, winemakers down in, uh, off in 94, uh, but nobody we knew made their own spirits. We figured we'd be the coolest kids on the block if we could make our own vodka. So that's kind of where it started. This is one of the smoothest vodkas I've ever drank. I was just about to say the same. I yeah. I know almost nothing about vodka. I don't drink it a lot, but I have to say the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I know what burns and what doesn't, and it's <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> and yeah. this isn't your pee, so there you go. <laughs> um, we got really lucky. Uh, when I'm giving a tour of the distillery, always talking about we got just stupid blind luck on two issues. Um, the first issue is the still that we found. Um, one, it allowed us to actually get to a product uh, and not break some of our cardinal rules that we had in forming our distillery. Uh, our three big rules, when the three of us came together, we weren't going to put um, outside money into it. We weren't going to take outside investors. Uh, we weren't going to take out a bank loan. And we weren't going to put more money into it than friendship was worth. Um, so <laughs> The brewery? The priests. <laughs> three, three solid rules. <laughs> uh, so and it, well, we figured keeping those rules would uh, keep us the best chance of staying married uh, and, and keep our wives at home. Uh, so um, when we started really investigating, it took us about 14, 15 months of investigating the processes that would be involved in getting to a vodka. Um, and the stills, even for a small distillery that they're trying to sell you on the market, or most of these German-made beautiful copper stills, about a 500-liter copper belly uh, pot. Yeah. And then to get, make a vodka, to get to Asiatrope, you need a 20, 22-foot tall, 12-inch diameter copper pipe with rectification plates every six inches made out of copper. So I've said copper, copper, copper. Mucho dinero, four to five hundred thousand dollars wow. for Ooh. one of these tools. That <laughs> the three of you had that lying around, yeah, did you? Yeah, we just had that lying around. That broke all three of the cardinal rules. <laughs> um, and so uh, Greg and I actually had gone up to Michigan State for this like four day weekend distilling course, and we're thinking, you know, can we really do this? And we get there. And on the one hand, when we get done, we're looking at all these websites from all these different small distilleries around the country, and they kept mentioning oh, we got educated by Carl Denninghammer. And we'll go, wait a second, that's, that's the guy that was just lecturing here. They went to the same weekend course that we did. We could, <laughs> we could do this. And then you're looking at it on the flip side that, no, we just aren't going to do 500 grand uh, for one of, the, one of these stills. So where we got, you know, and so this was one during that 12 months kind of a, a down period where it's like, eh, this is never going to happen. Um, you guys were all still working full-time jobs at this yeah, point? Yeah, we're still working full-time Bill's, jobs at this point. Bill's technical title is Dr. Bill. Oh, okay. Or Dr. Vodka. <laughs> 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 but uh, 
so, I mean, this was kind of a down month where we're, we're never going to pull this off. Um, and Steve, uh, the engineer of the group, uh, found online this guy in upstate Washington who um, makes small stills primarily as test stills for the liquor industry. So if you're like the head distiller at Jack Daniels and you've got this million dollars of a mash going and you're trying to figure out if it's time to go to the next process, you take this basic still that this guy makes that's about in a suitcase, put it on about a four-foot <laughs> desk, and take a gallon of your mash, and within a couple of hours, you can test your really? product. Yeah, yeah. And so this guy is using much higher tech processes than this old German world uh, rectification plate technology. And he decided to make kind of a Paul Bunyan version of what he was doing. Um, rather than just these small stills, he took this technology uh, and applied it to a much larger version, sold it to a guy, his first one down in Florida. The guy got multiple gold medals uh, right off the bat. And so we figured, well, maybe the guy in Florida, but it may also be the still. And it was dramatically cheaper. Um, so we got this. Now, it's not big, beautiful copper like these other things. We got copper pipes, but it's, it's a pretty ugly still. But it makes an incredibly smooth vodka. And that's where we just got stupid blind luck. Nice. Jeff, I mean, Jeff is the same way with Justin. Really yeah. ugly, but makes a <laughs> decent product. So. And Justin just said stupid blind luck. Pretty much, yeah. 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 <laughs> so you guys had never actually done any distilling at home or anything? You were just sitting around a little buzzed one day and said, fuck let's it, let's open, vodka. let's make vodka? <laughs> uh, pretty much that. Uh, and then, and again, we spent about 14 months kind of looking, you know, at first we think it's going to be the paperwork, you know, I mean, and to make right, your, the process, know, the process, yeah. get through the TTB, get through all that, you know, and that's just, it's a mountain of work, but it's not a steep mountain. They actually start helping you out once you get kind of your first foot in the door. Uh, they want you to pay more taxes. Um, <laughs> and so you know, they love us. Um, the amount of tax on a single bottle like that. Um. But then what we really figured out was that it was going to be the two processes involved that we would have to become experts at. And, you know, the, so the two processes we're going to have to become experts at were fermentation and distillation. And none of us had ever done any, either of those before. And that was a little daunting to think that we could do that, uh, become experts at two different processes right. and get a good product. Well, so how long, how long from, the, from the time you guys were drunk in your backyard saying, fuck it, let's make vodka, to the point where you had a product that you thought was, was really good? I mean, how long was that time frame? Probably 18 to 20 months. Okay. That's still Did you ever throw any product away? Like, no, this isn't what we're looking yeah, for. We, our first batch, we, so we use primarily a two-row malted barley. Um, I can get into why we use that at some point, but it's... <laughs> On the, we like to say, you know, it's the same thing you'd make a scotch out of, and it sounds austere or something like that, <laughs> but that's not the reason. Um, and so we tried our first, and there's not a lot of vodkas that are made of a two-row malted barley, a, a couple barley ones, but not many. Um, and we tried that, 
and it was incredibly smooth, but it actually had too much character. You could actually start to smell it a little bit, and especially if you made a vodka tonic with the bubbles and kind of you got too that much aroma. Effervescence, yeah. You, di- you didn't want that in your vodka um, or what, in your vodka tonic. What, what, what makes a good vodka versus a bad vodka? Like we were talking the other day, I, I don't drink a lot of vodka normally. Sure. So when I have something like this, which is really good, why is this so much better than if I was just drinking real, you know, stuff at a pop off? Yeah, pop off. Right. Stuff. Not to, if anybody owns stock and pop off, sorry, but, you know, um, skull. <laughs> hey, Kyle made it in, guys. Sorry. Hi, how are you, Bill? This is Kyle. He hey, owns Shamrock. How are you, sir? Good to see you. So, I, and there's two two answers to that. Um, the the second answer and the kind of the easier one is by doing one distillation. Um, we, we got the stripper still. We usually don't even really call that. I mean, that's just a quickie, just debulk, get the, a lot of the water off, get all the leftover grain and yeast out. Um, but one rectification run. And by doing one distillation, you're keeping some character of the grain. Uh, you're keeping some smoothness in it. And so with this, uh, the people will talk about there's a little vanilla, a little creme brulee in it. I don't taste that. I don't have that good of a palate. Greg, my partner, uh, he's got a very good palate. His brother actually works for Wrigley's uh, and is like a scientist. Gum tester? I was just <laughs> going to say that. <laughs> and, and a flavor tester, I think. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but you choose it all day long. Back to our corn so that we were talking about. By definition, isn't a vodka supposed to be colorless, odorless, flavorless? Yes, but who wants that? Yeah, I yeah, agree. Okay, <laughs> sure. No, I that, that that's fine. I was well, just okay. So uh, you said you said your very first vodka, the one that came through, it had too much character on it. Too much. Right. Why? Do you think there's a market for that? I mean, do you think there it, might be? I mean, will will there ever be some? I mean, those are called schnapps. Well, not. I mean, <laughs> so it's still not character like what we'll taste with the Starka or things sure. like that. Um, but. Uh, it just wasn't what you wanted in a, in a clear vodka. Um, I guess so my question is, now that you've established a clear and really good vodka, I mean, would you ever try to make that again as something with a little more, fl- like, I mean, I guess when we, when we talk, we've talked on this show before, some of us kind of chase flavor. I mean, there are just certain styles sure. that we're burnt out on because, I mean, they're great and they, they t- you can make a really great one, but you kind of want something more at some point. So, right. I mean, would you ever think about? I think the difference would be, fairly subtle and you'd yeah, start okay. getting lost and you wouldn't have a separation okay. enough to make it worthwhile. Sure. So you're so. you're saying the doing the one distill distillation is primarily what makes it so good. So is bottles that say we distilled nineteen times, that's just marketing bullshit? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, let me run with an answer to the previous question and then but make sure I come back to continuous versus single batch distillation. Okay. Okay, because that's where you get into, oh, we're six times distilled uh, and stuff. And which, yeah, after you, and, and I used to think that six times distilled, oh, that must be good stuff. Um, but now you look at it and you'll actually think, oh, they're advertising here that they're crap uh, and stuff. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but the main way, the main reason that this vodka and your micro distillery vodkas are going to be much better than your big boy vodkas is because we're making a single batch at a time and by doing a single batch we can do a very good job through the rectification process of getting rid of the unwanted alcohols so 
just as a, you know, you guys know this is the whole fermentation process. Yeast does the magic, makes our ethanol, but it screws up along the way and makes a little bit of methanol, a little bit of isopropyl alcohol, a little butanol, different alcohols, different co-joiners that then taint the alcohol. And the whole goal of distillation is to get the pure ethanol. So by doing a single batch at a time, we can do a very good job because time becomes part of the equation that we know that the methanol, the lower boiling point alcohols, the acetaldehyde will come off below we get into the ethanol. And we can see the temperature go up and we can see the time process and we could do very good cuts of getting rid of the heads, getting just the hearts, the pure ethanol, and not take the tails. And by getting rid of the heads and the tails, you get just a very, very clean alcohol. So a combination of that and we got a grain that's got some character to it with the mm -hmm. barley as opposed to a pure corn. So what did we do when we first tried pure barley? It was too much. We, 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 bought, we brought it down by putting about 40% corn. So we're about 60% two-row malted barley and 40% corn. Okay. And the corn adds nothing. You know, so when I'm kind of ashamed that I don't know this. What, what kind of yeast do you guys pitch? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, it's just... It's SO5. SO5? They, it's okay. they get their mash from Trailhead. I mean, like, I mean, like everybody... So everything that Trailhead uses in there... It's the exact same as a basic beer yeast. Yes. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Right. Uh, we use SO5 here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's uh, the so Chico yeast. I should yeast know that. Yeah. I don't know why I, I've never even been confronted with that question of how just basic... Yeah, I'm pretty vodka, sure bourbons, anything is... Some use, uh, like, a distiller's yeast... Yeah. Because you can get the higher alcohol content. You get a higher alcohol content. There's more alcohol to, with, to sure. take out of there. I honestly don't know what Jake uses for their mash, but I'm sure it's just their standard house mm -hmm. yeast. Have you uh, guys experimented with different yeast, or have you used the same yeast strain we've the entire been, time? We've been using the uh, same product just repetitively from Trailhead. Okay. So basically, what I mean— Stay close. As, as we were uh, getting involved in this and we're looking, you know, during this initial 12 months, our two big hurdles, fermentation, distillation. Um, I was driving back from Cleveland the day before. I had had dinner at um, Great Lakes Brewery. I mean, Great Lakes Brewery has been there 40, 50 years, I think. One of the, I, I always thought one of the original kind of microbreweries. And it dawned on me that every time I've been to dinner there, where my wife is from, or any of these other microbreweries that are also lunch and dinner, you see all the sexy stainless steel behind the glass, but I've never seen anybody working. <laughs> um, and so I came up with this premise that maybe their mash ton is sitting idle most of the time, and we could outsource. Uh, actually, that's where Jeff and I met. I don't know, seven, eight years ago, or right when you were opening. Yeah, beer. about, about uh, five and a half, six years ago. Yeah. We've been open six years, and Bill came in a matter of weeks after I had opened and asked if we could do his mash for him. So. So. Not on that scale. Unfortunately, we <laughs> just can't make <laughs> yeah. enough, right? And stuff. So uh, went down, took that idea down to Trailhead. Jake down there has been great for us. Why do we re uh, use a two-row malted barley? Because uh, I think said, uh, Jake said, uh, you know, guys, over here, I got some two-row malted barley that uh, maybe we should try this. Um, and, and that's what we ran with. Uh, like the idea that it's what does the scotch use. It's like the idea that it was a bit different. So have you guys, uh, I mean, have you guys thought about, now that you've established these, I mean, do you have any 
plans to experiment a little more to branch out, or have you just nailed the things you've nailed? And you're very proud of them. And oh, we're we're experimenting all the time. Constantly so doing. Yeah, we, we it's a great we, segue to the yeah. product sitting behind you. Yeah, let me grab one of those real quick. Okay. Yeah, I'm <clears throat> really interested. Uh, we tried one of these the other day, and it was amazing. Uh, I was really looking forward to trying some of the the different ones here. They're all uh, different colored waxes, too, so we know which one's which. All right, so we've got next uh, Starka. This is a barrel-aged spirit. So what we, what we have here is our Starka, and this is a barrel-aged vodka. You're just asking about have we tried something different. This is different. Yeah. Um, basically, our vodka came to market in 2012, and we got the gold medals. We put it on the shelf at different places. And we're thinking, oh, we're rich, we're rich. It's going to go like crazy. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we can make more than we can sell. Um, <laughs> and at that same time, and this is not a HIPAA violation because uh, um, Mrs. McGinnis has given me permission to give this conversation. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Mr. and Ms. Mrs. McGinnis walk into my daytime job. Uh, and uh, I make friends with them there, and she says that she and her husband are Coopers, uh, and they own McGinnis Wood Products down in Cuba, Missouri, uh, the largest whole barrel cooperage in, in I think, all of Missouri. One Beautiful. of the largest in Cuba, the country. Missouri. Cuba, Missouri. <laughs> they make 800 barrels a day. Oh, my a God. A day? A day. Okay, and they're, they're back-ordered like two, three years at this point. Their minimum Jeez. order is 100 barrels. Uh, but because I get along with the McGinnises, uh, <laughs> they sell them to me four at a time because <laughs> uh, I can't handle 100 of them. And we started playing around with two barrels at start and just started taking our vodka. Uh, we only uh, diluted it down to about 110 proof. Uh, different uh, barrel, uh, uh, the barrel industry, it says, you know, it's best to barrel something about 105 to 110 proof. We didn't figure we were going to reinvent the barrel industry. Um, and so we started barrel aging our vodka. This is a charred barrel, right? This is a charred barrel, Missouri, uh, white oak, uh, best so barrels what, in the world, at level what point three char. Does it make, well, how do you differentiate them between whiskey and vodka? And, and Starka, I guess I should sure. say. Sure. So... A whiskey can only be distilled to about, a, there's about 30 different categories of whiskeys, and each category has some different rules. But in general, a whiskey is not allowed to be distilled past 130 or 140 proof. A vodka, to call it a vodka, you have to distill it to azeotrope, 96%, 192 proof, and then water it and back down. It, yeah. So okay. we have purified and distilled this to a much cleaner level and then brought it back down. Isn't that crazy how high that is? Holy yeah. shit. Okay. So you get the pure azeotrope off of there. I mean, it has no smell to it. Um, and, I mean, you could taste it, but your taste buds won't taste anything else for about three months. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so a Starka. So while we got our first um, vodka in the barrel, and we're playing around with this. And, you know, the tough job of owning a distillery is got to try it about every month or so and see what it tastes like and see what's going on. Rough life. Rough life. Um, but we're also then at that point online looking this up. And Starka is actually a barrel-aged vodka product out of Eastern Europe. So in Poland and Lithuania, there are Starkas on the market. And the story is, and the word Starka is Polish for stork. Because the story is, if you make your own vodka in Poland, 
and it sounds to me like everybody in Poland makes their own vodka. Um, <laughs> when your daughter is born, you would take an old wine barrel, fill it with vodka, bury it in the backyard, and serve it on the wedding day. All three partners, we all got daughters. We all thought, you know, this old world romanticism, we like that name. Kind of already, it's its own category. Um, and so we entered it and then have a Starka. Nice. Is there other this Starkas really on the market? This is amazing. So Yeah, it's really great. This is. is the first Starka released in the United States. There's five or six others now on some West Coast distilleries. Uh, you know, same sort of micro distilleries that have done the same thing. There were three in Oregon that kind of worked together to have a Starka release. And when they had this big Starka release party out there, we're thinking, you bastards, you know, you took our idea. But then we saw their press release and halfway through they said, just like St. Louis Distillery, who nice. had the first one to market, <laughs> nice. going, hey, okay, they gave us Look at the Midwest being trendsetters. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you were talking about that earlier. So, so how long has this aged? So here's kind of dumb luck thing number two. Okay. <laughs> We figure we're going to put this in a barrel and our kids are going to like it 10, 15 years Yeah, from right. Now. Okay. Okay. This is only in the barrel for six months. Wow. You wouldn't okay. guess that. <laughs> no. I mean, no. Yeah, it's really great. Here's what you don't find in the barrel literature, the books and the online and talking about how barrels work and stuff. So when you make a whiskey, because you can only distill it to about 130 or 140 proof, what comes off of your still is harsh. And if you're making whiskey, you put it into the barrel for two reasons. First reason is you want the barrel to give it some character. Again, whiskey coming off the still is clear. A lot of people think it's already got a color. It's clear coming off a still, just like a, a vodka or any spirit. The second reason you put it in a barrel is you want the barrel to smooth it out. It's the smoothing out that takes years. And that's why a 15-year oh. bourbon is better than a 12-year bourbon, is better than a 10-year bourbon, is better than a 6-year bourbon. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Darren. So tell me at, at, with this particular one, what do, what did the heads come out at? Like what, I mean, you're, you're way up in almost the two hundreds, right? You said, what, what is this? What do the heads come out at and where, how far are you cutting it down after that point? So because it's made one batch at a time, the heads will go up the column first at a lower boiling point. So we'll mm -hmm. take off the methanol and the acetaldehyde a.k.a. liquid hangover, mm -hmm. um, at which point when we've collected all the heads, we'll see the temperature go up, and now we know we're in pure ethanol. Mm -hmm. So then we'll get the hearts off. Well, you see the temperature go up in the column? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we got digital thermometers on there yeah. and got remote kind of little um, cameras on them so we can even keep an eye on it uh, uh, from away from the distillery. Is vodka strictly made in a column still, or can you use a pot still? You cannot get to azeotrope on a standard pot still. Oh, really? So we were talking earlier about rectification. I've used that term a couple of times. What the, you know, it's kind of rectum damn near killed him. <laughs> um, the, but rectification is taking advantage. The whole idea of distillation is that you take a liquid at a low proof, heat it up to vapor, cool down the vapor, making it go back to liquid. Each time you go from liquid to vapor back to liquid, you increase the percentage of alcohol in that liquid. The first jump is a very large jump. The next jump is not as big. The next time, it's not as big. And it's an asymptotic curve 
going to that's the biggest word that's ever been used on this show by Sorry. the way my dad my dad was a math teacher you've used a lot of words that i don't know what that meant today. can you tell so, I, I would tell you right so, now that how many there's there's a bunch of people who listen to our show that are going to nerd out on this oh yeah, so okay. much so to get to azeotrope 96 percent alcohol which is the maximum that you can distill something to it will always keep four percent water vapor with it but to get to 96% alcohol, 192 proof, two proof is always double alcohol mm -hmm. by volume. Um, it's estimated you have to do this phase change, liquid to vapor, back to liquid, 100,000 times. Jesus. Okay. So as we were talking about this big, beautiful $500,000 German pot still, why do you have to have this 20-foot column with these plates every six inches? What's happening is these plates every six inches are like a pie plate. And they have holes in them, and those holes will let 1% of the vapor get to the next chamber. But 99% of the vapor hits the pie plate, condenses, and drips back down. So 99% stays in this chamber, 1% gets to the next level, 1% gets to the next level, and so on and so on and so on, up the 20-foot column. So this stuff up at the top has gone back and forth this 100,000 times. And I have to see this. And you've got <laughs> the azeotrope. <laughs> So, but we don't have that still. You oh. got in late. Sorry, $500,000 worth of copper. No, I mean, like, either way, oh, keep going. So, so I can our still, where this was high technology over old world rectification plates, is we have two, we have a six-foot copper pipe, about four-inch diameter, but we have a copper mesh, kind of looks like a Brillo pad, mm -hmm. rolled up. Yeah and stacked up like toilet paper up on, t uh, on a spindle. It's like square about one. About. <laughs> right? I don't know. We, they've, we they've, got a it together. they've got a pretty yeah. big, yeah. They got they've a got a pretty big column over there. Yeah. Before. Before. The first one, I'm sorry. So, but five feet then of this packed copper, instead of going six inches by six inches, it's going millimeter by millimeter, much more microscopic. So it, it does this rectification in five feet rather than 22 feet. So you almost are moonshining at that point. Well, that because that I know like a lot of home distillers, that's exactly what they do is they'll pack it with the copper. Pack yeah. it with copper and again, mesh. And what this guy did was he took the small idea and he and made, made it a big. much bigger process out of it. I'll be damned. Do you give tours? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Carl Oh, yeah. I mean, we're open every weekend. Um, I got... Uh, <coughs> Um, we've been actually doing a Groupon for the last about 18 months. Have sold 1,500 Groupons. And had about a thousand tour groups in now. Uh, just so you charge for your tours? Uh, the Groupon, you get a, uh, an $18 bottle of vodka on your way out the door. But if you show up on the hour, uh, you can join a tour. If you oh, got okay, a group, cool. If you got nice, a big yeah. group at 10 just or 20, you don't know know schedule ahead of time. Sure. We're on Freedens Road, uh, right off of 94. Uh, Country Club Car Wash is kind of Zumble, yeah. 94. Mm -hmm. Zumble becomes Freedens down the hill, about a block. Left or right side? Right side. There's a Dieter's Frozen Custard there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, they sublet from us. Oh, nice. Oh, I would do. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to pour uh, the next one while I ask you a very, very important question. If we, the four of us, were to form a death metal band called Azeotrope, would you, would Cardinal Spin Vodka sponsor us? <laughs> oh, definitely. Okay. That's all, I, that's all I need to know. That's a good band name. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, in. So, at, at, at the end of the day, did everyone try their Starka here? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I mean, I thought I, it was I, really fantastic. Anybody? Yeah. 
but well, I wouldn't I, have known this was a, vodka. It's a whiskey yeah. drinker, and oh, yeah. I I really I liked it, it was, man. Yeah, it, it's the beauty of when I'm doing a tasting. If I'm out at Lucas or somewhere like that, and you know, I got people coming by, and I got you know, when I just had my vodka, I got all these whiskey drinkers turning up their nose at me and stuff like that. And it's like, yo, dude, I got something here for you too now, um, which has been really good. Flavor wise, I think it's very similar. I think the body is a little bit lighter on this yep. than it is on a whiskey, right? Uh, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just it's I think not it's nearly a, as bold yeah. as a whiskey right. either. It's so a little more muted, a little more mellow. Mm-hmm. It looks like I mean, it looks it's it's light in color, but it's it's le- way less harsh than you would think. It's like diet whiskey. Yeah. So, what, I, yeah. So my our our uh, distributor once uh, Doug Nixon is talking to me about um, our Starka, and he likes the Starka. And he says, you're going to feel offended when I tell you this, Bill, but I think your Starka is kind of like a Merlot. And I'm going, yeah, you're kind of pushing it there a little <laughs> bit. You know? And he goes, now, now listen to me. He goes, okay, so the wine industry in this country, everybody in the 70s was drinking all this sweet crap, you know, the, the, the white Zins and the uh, sweet Chardonnays and stuff. And so in the 80s, they started drinking whites and better whites and stuff. But no one, you know, a lot of people weren't really jumping to reds. They certainly weren't a lot of cab drinkers and stuff at that point. And then the late 80s, Merlots hit. And all of a sudden, Merlots, everybody's buying and everybody's drinking Merlots. Nowadays, people aren't really doing the Merlots because they've graduated. Their palates have shifted Mm -hmm. from sweet wine to kind of dry whites to an easy red to bigger and bigger bolder reds. This Starka is that amber spirit for beginners, okay? Um, I never liked whiskeys before, okay? I make a vodka because I like vodka. Now it's ruined me. Now um, (laughs) I'm drinking amber spirits, and when I'm out, you know, I'll be getting that amber spirit drink on the cocktail list rather than the vodka drink. This would be something I could give to my wife. She she's yeah. said for a couple of years now she wants to like whiskey, and she's just never liked it. I think I could pour this for her, and she would actually really enjoy it. It doesn't have the burn. It's sweet. It's, you mm-hmm. know, woody, oaky. You still get that caramel and vanilla and wood character on it that's really, really nice. Um, I think this is a good... I hope, yeah, I hope you're not a fan. What is a like bottle a of, uh, level, uh, you know, darker spirit? And so, what is a bottle of Starker Run? Uh, it usually is retailing around $33 to $35. So, at that that's price well point, worth it, man. That's, a, that's that a really nice, smooth spirit. Yeah. $35 like said, to make Lynn happy? That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cheap. Still twice the price. Like you said, like, I, I really like, I'm, I'm a whiskey <laughs> drinker, and I've, I've only had. Like a few vodkas that I've really, really enjoyed uh, going up through like all my restaurant experience. I had, um, I'd never had a vodka that I could drink straight until I had potato vodka. And because it didn't have, I mean, you drink any, even Tito's, like, that's like the king shit right now as far as like vodka goes. And, I mean, and that's just selling. It's, I'm not saying taste, but I, I really think that this rivals something that, that like, I mean, it's just so, I mean, and everybody loves Grey Goose. Grey Goose is shit. This is a really, really smooth spirit that I really enjoy. If, if you put us next to those, uh, I think you'll be favorably. But I, I had Tito's back about 15 years ago. I got an annual meeting that I'm down in Dallas every November. And about 15 years ago, someone was talking about this local vodka just starting and stuff like that. Tito's was incredible then. Tito's is still probably bang for your buck. 
uh, sure. a very decent vodka. Tito's is going up though. Um, it, they're they're they're, they're getting they're getting a bigger head all of a sudden. I just heard yeah. yesterday. But where is Tito's made? Texas. Uh, I would I would guess Texas. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's, it's still supposed is or to be not, Texas. But yeah, but it's yeah. not right? Wisconsin. Oh yeah. really? Okay. It's now, supposed to be Texas, right? Yeah. It's like half the breweries out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and half the distilleries out there too. Yeah. It's estimated that fifty percent of the micro distilleries in this country don't make their own liquor and are just mm-hmm. bottling. If and to be honest, we could not have done this if we had to do the fermentation and the distillation. Sure. We never would get to this price point. Um and, and and so there's a lot of places around the country that are ba- basically just buying and rebottling mm-hmm. and stuff. So, but in all fairness, if I can get a pallet on every Sam's Club and Costco in the country, I'll let my vodka be made in Wisconsin too. I think. Sure. You know, so. <laughs> this so is another really great one. Yeah. What are we drinking? Yeah. What's so the, yeah, yeah. This is the third one. The, the first two products that we've tried here are vodka and our Starka. Those are what we have out on the market. Uh, what's distributed around Missouri and a couple other states. Uh, the, the next few products are things that we just have at the distillery. These are kind of our one-offs, our experimentation, our trying different things. What happened here is McGinnis actually screwed up and gave us three regular toasted or uh, three charred barrels, same thing that they would sell to the bourbon industry. Uh, but this one barrel was a toasted barrel rather than a charred barrel. So toasted versus charred. The inside of a charred barrel is actually set on fire for about 20 seconds and then water extinguished. A toasted barrel, the flame is on the inside, but the barrel is never set on fire. Think of your marshmallow in the campfire. If you do a nice job with the marshmallow, get a nice toasted brown layer versus putting it, setting it on fire and blowing it out, the marshmallow tastes very different. Mm -hmm. You would never know, though. This barrel is one of those for normal people, whereas the charred one is for the savages that like to light their marshmallows on fire. (laughs) That's the best way to Exactly. It's like pineapple on pizza. Are you kidding me? We we can't really (laughs) see. One's right, one's wrong. So what's hard to appreciate here uh, in the light is the toasted spirit here is a much lighter color yeah it almost has like a a white wine yeah color well, to it so a toasted barrel is what they're selling to the red wine industry um and this has actually been aged four and a half years okay. really yeah. wow i would not have guessed that okay. no not at all so at six months we really didn't like this one very much but it took more time because it, 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 the char isn't there. It's just kind of it's mellowing out and it's getting there. I and liked so the uh, Starka better than this one. Certain people like one way. more. Yeah. Certain, yeah. I, I like them both, but I, I think that there you can obviously, obviously see the difference in color. But it, I mean, like exactly the way you explained it is exactly the way that I taste it. I think it's marshmallowy. I get a lot of marshmallow. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I get they're, they're cinnamon and pepper. Like just a spicy, and I, I really it, like. It's bringing different aspects of the wood. I'd out say the, the wood the, is very different on this one. The Starka, the as opposed to the toasted here, is got more of that charred and stuff. Where this is actually bringing out more wood character. I think for the Starkas, do you recommend people drink them neat or on the rocks? Oh, I, I don't recommend. <laughs> however, you want to drink it, it's fine with me. Um, <laughs> as long as, long as, as you're buying it, as long huh? as you're buying it. So, um, does it bother you at all then when people buy your vodka that you have worked so hard to create a recipe and get out onto the market and everything else, and then they mix it with cranberry juice? No. Just whatever, huh? Whatever. Just whatever. As long as you're now, buying it. I mean, I think the best way is an original sin martini. Yeah. You know, uh, actually, been working with uh, a bartender. Um, 
who's starting to do some sales with us. Uh, he got a couple of big national awards and stuff. And he's actually shown me, and I, I thought this was pure crap, uh, but did side by side a stirred versus a shaken martini. And again, That's I thought a that huge was, difference. I thought that I was just James learned Bond and stuff like that. Yeah. Different. But yeah. <laughs> so he says our vodka, uh, and again, I don't have this palate, but our vodka, because it, it has um, a little more character to it, when you stir it, you're not bringing in the air bubbles as much. You're keeping it thick, and it's much smoother going down than stirred, not shaken. <laughs> Again, if you want to shake it, I don't care. Do you have a bar at the distillery? We have a uh, we have a tasting kind of uh, so can you, spot. But, there. I mean, can I order a martini at your place? Uh, pro- we won't make you a martini, but I'll pour you a little extra vodka. Okay. okay. <laughs> right. the, the, I mean, the thing, when, when you pour it out of the bottle and all, th- all three of them, you look at the spirits just like you look at it when you buy off the shelf or at a bar. The, how smooth they are is incredible. Yeah. And I, and I want to come down, at, you know, like as I pick them up, I... I I want to. Th- I I want to think that, man. There's so much ethanol that's going to come and like burn my mouth or burn my nose, and there's nothing. But I think that's my experience with vodka in general. It's pop off vodka that is just stinging sure, and yeah. burning, and um, this has really all been incredible. I know. Anytime I'm trying a new whiskey, you know, I pour it into a snifter. The first thing I do is blow out the glass uh-huh. so it doesn't yeah. burn my nose sure. whenever I, I smell it that first time. I, I went to do this on I, this, and I'm like, the glass is so nothing. small, I'll pr- I'm pretty sure I'll blow the vodka out of it. So I'm like, well, fuck it, bottoms up. And yeah. I did no, the same just, thing. I tried to blow it out first. I'm like, no, nah, it's not going to work. No, <laughs> but just, you don't need to. No, it's it's pretty amazing stuff. And we're not just saying it's because you're on the show. I mean, I appreciate it. Like we, it's really good. I like, mean, we wouldn't I, tell you it, it sucks because you're right here in front of us, right. but we wouldn't sit here and stroke it like this either. And it's just pretty damn impressive stuff. Right. We, I want to so. blow it off like I'm not going to buy your shit, but I really... I'm probably going to go tomorrow and order some stuff because <laughs> it's really, really good. So, well, thank you. I mean, I certainly like it, but I always figure it's kind of like my daughters. Sure. Uh, they're, they're, they're tall and beautiful, and, you know, uh, everyone should think so. But, uh, <laughs> and you buried uh, them in the backyard for 20 no, years? No, no, no. But that <laughs> I, I blacked out for the middle key, of the The key in that is you don't want to have to do it like 13 years later at the wedding. Who is your distributor? Uh, we're with major brands. Oh, oh all right. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, we were with an, we were with another distributor uh, who were great people. Worked with us really well. Their footprint wasn't obviously as big as major brands, um, and, and so they let us out of a, a contract, and we went with major. We're gonna bring the Starka in here and uh, put it up there on the shelf with the the whiskey that okay, we you'll sell. You'll be the first non whiskey <laughs> spirit here. Yeah. Are all these uh, Starkas are? Are these all called Starka still? Yeah, I would still okay. call them a Starka. We're, so I, I, we're kind of flavored Starkas. Um, let's face it, everybody's got a flavored vodka. Um, we are only flavoring with natural substances. Uh, and if you flavor a vodka with a natural like substance. Like watermelon? Uh, we do not have a <laughs> what, watermelon. What do we get to or cream cucumber? So I really like the whipped cream one. I was going to say the Mountain Dew drip, one. You, you, Pineapple yeah. upside I think down. You, you, you drip it through wedding cake. Do you add um, real Mountain Dew? <laughs> yeah. Or Fruit Loops? <laughs> mm. So I don't think we have those yet, but the Fruit Loop one has, has possibilities. The problem is if you make a cucumber and basil vodka, because my wife wanted to try this. Um, it sounds you, delicious. Uh, you have then uh, pea green vodka in a bottle, which just does not work well. <laughs> yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you oh, what. I bet it still uh, sells. Yeah, I bet yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I, who does that cider? Um, which, which one? Magnus. Cucumber. No. Um, Seattle. Woodchuck. 
Seattle does it. There are other answers. Oh, <laughs> does that one? The cucumber. Yeah, it's ri- no. Uh, I think cucumber and basil. No, it's not cucumber and basil. It's just uh, vanilla. Something in basil. Oh, I get just one. It's yeah, I've fantastic. So um, sorry, we're spreading out our uh, drinks here. Yeah. All right. So what's up next? What we got next is. Um, Unfortunately, we can't use the barrel a second time and get the same product out of it. Uh, so it's a second use product for a barrel. Uh, we emptied our first barrel. We put a gallon of vanilla into the barrel. Um, it's the advantage of having a frozen custard shop right next to you as we went and stole a gallon of their vanilla. <laughs> um, <laughs> and sloshed it around on the staves for about a week. Filled it with vodka. And now we've been aging this about four years. Um, and so... It's not a vanilla that just whacks you in the head, but uh, no, it's um, it's pretty subtle. But it's there once you kind of let it sit, you know, on your tongue a little bit. It's not the vanilla you're going to get confused with oak. No, I mean it's it's legit vanilla flavor. Now you said frozen custard. That's all I'm thinking about. Like when I'm (laughs) trying this, I'm like booze and custard. That's That's exactly (laughs) yeah. (laughs) This is delicious. (laughs) Are all of these Starkas the same proof? Uh, They're all ninety. Ninety. Yeah. It's, again, one of the tough jobs is uh, when we were first bottling the Starka, we tried it at 80, we tried it at 90, tried it at 100. 100 was too hot, um, but 80 didn't have near as much character mm-hmm. as the 90, so these are all at 90 proof. Are you using full 60-gallon barrels? 55, I 55-gallon yeah. barrels? Okay. Yeah. Vanilla is really expensive. Oh, yeah. So how much, I mean... Don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thumbs up. Is this in so the r- charred or toasted barrel? This is still this, this is, is a ch- this is a single barrel. use charred barrel. Oh, so, uh, you said this was aged in the barrel for four years. Yep. Have you continued to make it, or did you make this four years ago and you, you we won't get it again? Um, we got another barrel going at this point. Yeah. Uh, and this barrel is still probably two thirds full. Oh really? Yeah. The label- so you don't bottle it all at once. No. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're doing it at the distillery, so we'll pull off about five gallons. Bottle Do you find it. that changes the flavor? Yeah, it's a little more. A little more, yeah, mm-hmm. obviously. You know, yeah. Actually, not more vanilla. I think some of the vanilla is fading, but more of the oak is coming through. That would kind of how beer works. You <laughs> yeah. have a vanilla beer, you let it sit for longer, and it's normally the first thing to go on something like that. So it's Yeah. Like it's crazy different. how smooth everything is. Like, I mean. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we, we're a bunch of boozers, and. Yeah. Uh, I really, I, I can't believe how there's no burn. There's no. I could turn you into a whiskey drinker, couldn't I? I mean, yeah, seriously, well, I, I, I'm, I'm, that's that's how I began. I think you vodka, want to turn me into a vodka I drinker. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, that's just what I expect to to do a shot of vodka or, or to sip on a glass of vodka. I expect it to be hot. I expect yeah. it to to burn and hurt a little bit. I think that's why and I've just, never liked vodka because right. there, it, there's no flavor other than. Just burning. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I've always liked whiskey because, yeah. yeah, it burns a little bit, but at the same time, the oak and the, the sugars mellow yeah. it out. I don't know what and this is, and I can't wait for you to describe it, but I know I'm going to love it. Okay, I haven't you, even taken you, a sip oh, of it. If you it's smell this lemon. one, I have not smelled it yet. Then you know what it is. This one gives it away. Oranges. Yeah. Uh, lemons yeah. and lemons. oranges. That's yeah. all I get. So, a lot of citrus. This is, uh, so we take about 10 gallons of our Starka. Oh, that is straight orange when you taste yeah. it. So this one is not subtle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, we got about a 15-gallon uh, pail uh, and uh, got some of these, I'm just going to call it a giant tea bag, basically a strained bag. And mm-hmm. we put about uh, three gallons of macerated Seville oranges 
yeah. into the tea bag and then steep it for about two weeks. Um, and so this is a naturally flavored um, orange starka. Seville oranges are very bitter. You yeah. would never eat a Seville this is orange. This the first one I get any kind of like bitterness this out of it all. Yeah, yeah, I get a lot of bitter on the but This on the is the definition of, of a craft cocktail with a, a just the orange zest, like an old-fashioned. So this would make an awesome yeah. old-fashioned. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit, yeah. 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 And you asked me, I think, a little bit ago, how would I drink it? Yeah. You know, um, the reason we do an orange, because, I mean, my uh, I'll take a rocks glass, one of those big ass ice cubes, uh, a nice slice of orange and, and two fingers of Starka uh, and sit down and try to watch a couple episodes of Game of Thrones. And, <laughs> nice. uh, oh, yeah. And that, that's a good evening. You know. I want to combine this with chocolate. It reminds me of those like chocolate orange uh, candies. We're on the other side. See, yeah, I was we were talking about this all the time. <laughs> Would you be offended if I blended the vanilla and the orange together? You, again, I'm going to try this. You do, I, you. Well, yeah. you do that, but I want a sip of it. Yeah. I, don't <laughs> I finished off my vanilla and my orange already. I've been taking this it is easy over absolutely here. phenomenal. <laughs> this just reminds me of those. I, it reminds me of Christmas. It reminds me of something I used to eat as a kid. You know who I wish was here, and that we have to get it and have to let them try this is Josh from Rackhouse. Bill, if you've never mixed the vanilla and the orange together, you really should. <laughs> this is really That's tasty. <laughs> very, very good. I'm telling you that Josh would make an incredible incredible craft cocktail out of this yeah oh yeah and probably put it in a barrel and make it even more incredible josh josh does like the starka uh, yeah. they, they carry our stark over there and go oh, through nice. a fair amount of it a friend of mine drinks a hell of a lot of it over there but you know, <laughs> um, i think more than just he drinks now you, when you pull off the couple gallons at wow, a time the, the orange hits you first and then the, the vanilla, vanilla hits you yeah. back end, yeah. i kind of want to touch more vanilla in there but just a, yeah i kind of would yeah. have wanted a little bit less but that's there, a good but, combination um so these bottles Holy that you have shit. here for us you can buy these at the distillery yes um but you know you said a few gallons at a time or whatever that's it and then how often are you re-releasing these products uh, if we start running out of it on the shelf, we start Just bottling some more out of it. That's fair. This is not. You guys are about as scientific as we are here. Yeah, yeah. Sex. I mean, I mean. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to make up some good shit, but you know. is there another one? So last, but not least. Oh, I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, one. this is this. I saw this. And I'm real excited to try it. My wife says this is crap. <laughs> so it's probably awesome. <laughs> she does not understand how we could possibly put it on the shelf. Tell it to everybody what it is. And so I'll get I'm looking there. at the bottle. It actually has something floating in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a floater. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. So we were, you know, I mean, let's face it. Cinnamon whiskeys have been all the rage. Uh, fireball. I've not heard about it before. <laughs> uh, at, uh, <laughs> fireball, for, Kyle has a point. <laughs> 40, 40 proof and a ton of sugar and liquid hangover. Yeah. Uh, so we tried some different cinnamon recipes with the cinnamon stick. We tried it with... Uh, uh, some just cinnamon oil, um, but then we did this one with it. We put both a cinnamon stick and a chili pepper uh, into the bottle. You said that that Starka. orange one reminded you of Christmas. Wow. This smells like Christmas. Oh, to there's me. a cinnamon yeah, this, stick yeah. and a pepper in the bottle. Yep, I didn't this, notice that. That, that, that smells that, like the, the pepper uh, apple pie. You, know you can do that. Do you put those nice. in the bottle and then add the vodka uh, for it's each Starka. bottle. It's uh, or sorry, we yeah, use Starka. Yeah. Uh, actually, we got the bottle of Starka. It's Starka, and then we just add the cinnamon and okay. the pepper. Gotcha. And it takes about two weeks. <laughs> and, a- and after, <laughs> and after two you weeks, tried it yet? yeah, wow, it's 
That's and awesome. it hits you hard. You get the heat in the back of your throat, but then it doesn't keep. It, so it's not like some crazy ass buffalo wings that just keep going, 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 going. It stops after a bit there. You oh, just kind of let it still has some character. Yeah. Just let this sit on your tongue it's, for a second. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. It I burn so wow. hot. It's so great. I mean this in the yeah, most loving way really possible, but your wife is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so this is um, so much up my alley. <laughs> yeah. So in July. This outsold everything else that we had on the shelf. Um, two, to, two to one. You can get this on the shelves now? Yeah. Awesome. Have we gone through it and said, or said where you could buy your product set? So I mean, we're at most of the major liquor stores in town, other than a couple large supermarket chains that support local. Um, we're at Randall's, Friar Tucks, Lucas, uh, Wine and Cheese, Total Wines. Um, we're increasing the number of restaurants that we're at. Um, so we're, we're we continuing two to push today. that. That's for sure. What's that? Right? I said you gained two today. Oh, yeah. This is phenomenal. Well, the, the only thing is you, you can only get these uh, flavored Starkas at the distillery. But so. really, like, I mean, but, I mean, uh, they're, they're we'll just, I'll, just I'll the, have the Starka here on Friday. Right. The first one is phenomenal. If this is this, I, uh, which, what's this one called? OMG. OMG. <laughs> 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 if I can get OMG on the shelf right now, I'm going to buy a bottle of this immediately because yeah. this is yeah. fantastic. And I thought this would move here. I, oh, I yeah. wish that this was available uh, wholesale because it I've is. got customers that this have been is. asking me for pepper beers all the time. Really? And I can't get them now because all the good ones have pulled out of the state. This would uh This, this one is available. It. You said this is on the shelves. At the distillery. No. Yeah, just at the distillery. Oh, right now. I, I don't have, I don't have okay, the volume of it up, right Justin. now. Yeah, we, we, we are very excited here. We are, are we are six months away <laughs> on this one. This product, from that one. Okay, and you can figure it's out why we're, why we're six months sure. away because uh, we gotta get more barrels. <laughs> that, what what pepper is in it? I'm sorry. What pepper is in the? It's bottle? a red chili pepper. It okay. smells like apple pie moonshine, and tastes like cinnamon fireball. But without, it's still, without the sugar, right? You know, I mean, on the nose, I was expecting sweet on sweet. And me too. It's not like that in the flavor at all. I expected to not like this just because of the smell. But it's no, like it's I thought, fireball, fireball, but I thought it was going to taste like fireball. Huh? Yeah. It's like fireball with some nuts. Like it's, it's it's what fireball should taste like, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really good, man. That's yeah. very good. So this and the uh, first one that we tried are probably my, my two favorites out of the, the four Starkas that we had. Uh, I didn't dislike any of them, but this is just like I, I love this kind of flavor profile. I like spicy and hot. This is yeah, really, really, really if, nice. If you like those kind of things, you know, and, and I, there's next to nobody God, that's, that's ambiguous about the OMG. <laughs> no, I, you, you either love it or you, yeah. you, you yeah. hate it. And, yeah. and, you know, I ain't going to try that shit. No way. Uh, you count me <laughs> in as, as the uh, loving it part. Side. I have cool. to get a bottle from my house. Okay, yeah. so not not that not that I haven't been overwhelmed by everything we have. Do you have anything you're working on right now that's going to come out? That's mainly we got to. Uh, I, I would like to get the OMG. I mean, again, we've yeah. been, the last uh, we brought it out about four or five months ago. Uh, started selling it small, but then it's really just taken off. And uh, so I think there'd be a place for this on the shelf. Absolutely, yeah. And, no, I think so too. And I, I mean, I've been done drinking it for about five minutes, and my lips and tongue are still on fire, still hanging on. But it's, it's a awesome. very pleasant it, burn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it I'm, doesn't I'm hurt. Just happy. It's just, yeah, yeah it's yeah. nice. <laughs> it, it, it gives you, it, my, you keep that nice warmth in your chest for a while. <laughs> yeah, and stuff. So, man, this is everything we've had has been really, really good. 
I've lo- I mean, and I'm I'm not one to like. I mean, if you were just because you're here, I would tell you that. Oh, I don't like it. I've loved every single spirit that you've brought us today. It's so good. Yep. It's kind of something. And, I, and I've had now. a couple of yeah, them before. There is. Yeah. So you're right. There, there's a. We've had stuff that is very entry level, and some more progressive stuff. And um, yeah, I think you're right on that. You know, you can you could give an, uh, one of these products to just about anybody and find something that that they like. You guys want to take a uh, quick break, come back and talk about some beer, drink some beer? Yeah. Uh, Bill, you going to hang out with us or you need to? Definitely. You want to split? All right, cool, man. Uh, Let's take a quick one and uh, we'll be right back. All right, we're back. We took a uh, quick bathroom break and we poured ourselves a couple of beers. Uh, Bill's hanging out with us a little bit longer. Good Boy has just walked in the door. He's got his uh, the Good Boy Blind Beer of the Week, so we'll get uh, that. Actually, Blind by Good Boy this week. Not Blind. Yeah. I didn't say Blind, did I? I thought you said Blind, yeah. I'm pretty sure I said Blind. Well, we've had a lot of vodka, so yeah. anything's possible. <laughs> it was made in a bathtub. We might go blind. Who knows? <laughs> so, uh, anyways, uh, if you guys notice, you've got two beers sitting in front of you, and you have no idea what either one of them is. Um, it's kind of a uh, bruise room first for us. We are, Justin and I are putting up one of the Exit 6 beers against an immensely popular uh, beer, and we want to see which one you guys like better. So we have Some Hot Pun which is our take on the New England-style IPA. And then we have double-hopped tree, uh, trillium. Tr- trillium. Uh, yeah. Con- I forget. Concrete? Congress? Congress. Congress. Yeah. What is it? Congress Street. Congress Street. Congress yeah, Street. This is a double dry-hop Congress Street uh, up against some hot pun. Yeah, so this is like a, a, a pretty well-sought-after beer right now. Um, Trillium's one of the most highly rated breweries in America. Uh, one of the founders of this whole New England style IPA that is taking over the world. And we're going to put some hot pun up against it in a blind tasting amongst you guys. So, <laughs> so. I'm going to bow out because I know exactly which one it is because I've had it two out of the last three nights. Some hot pun. Oh, you've yeah. had, you've already drank yeah. it. All right. So we, uh, well, you can still drink the beers. Yes, I will absolutely. Craft Beer Week's over now. You guys are listening. You know this. Uh, most of you guys were here on Friday and Saturday. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think everyone in St. Charles and maybe St. Louis was here on Friday and Saturday. Um, but we blew through Eiffel Tower, um, and we're like, hey, let's put some hot pun on. Uh, we weren't going to release it just yet, but we threw a keg on, and uh, we burned a keg in like two hours um, on Friday. And it was super popular. It is now, I believe, our highest rated beer on Untapped after I checked today, uh, which I don't buy into. We kind of talked about Untapped culture a little bit last week, which, so I think it's kind of backwards for me to even say that after Plus, we all kind of complained about the numbers. it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it is. Um, everyone's really, really enjoying this beer. Uh, it makes me really happy because I really enjoy this beer too. Blew the first keg in two hours. We blew the next keg on Saturday, and then I blew another one today. Yeah, I saw that. What, a, a keg, <laughs> a keg is forty-one pints yeah. for you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good amount of beer. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. People have liked it, and we're not selling it in pints. So, considering on Friday when we had um, four-year vertical of Goose Island's Bourbon County, all of the fifteen Sour Sisters. And a bunch of the other sours that we had on from uh, the Sour Tat Takeover Wednesday, for us to blow through that much of this when we had that kind of like guest lineup on, I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. Uh, Bill, do you have a, a beer style you particularly like? I mean, are you into beer as well as as 
spirits? I, I probably moved away uh, from just beer probably of, over the yeah, year. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I'm even moving away from wine just because it's like now i got a basement full of vodka. Right. Uh, it's the, <laughs> the beauty of the business model. Uh, if we all go out of business, we end up with a lot of vodka. Um, <laughs> and, and unlike your beer, my vodka doesn't go bad. That's uh, true. So, uh, <laughs> it, it's not a bad thing. Um, you ever want to trade some beer for vodka? I'd be. I'd, we, we, we can make that we, happen, we, man. We, we can do some barter. Yeah. So, um, I I like experimenting. I like trying different things. You know, if I'm at some brewery or again one of these restaurant brewery kind of places, if they got their little six pack trial thing, uh, invariably that's what I'm ending up ordering just to try what sure. they got. Um, I, I assume that vodka, like whiskey, doesn't really change. Once it goes into the bottle, is that true? That's true. Okay. Just curious if, even on the uh, barrel-aged stuff, if you kind of held some stuff back that you want to sit on for years on years and kind of compare not, them. Not in the bottle. No, I, I got a couple uh, barrels up in the rafters that, uh, yeah. of, the, of the Starka that have gone about three years now. Um, and, uh, uh, again, just just for fun here and there. Yeah. Sure. Didn't need them two years ago, so uh, <laughs> let them roll. Yeah. All right. That's kind of awesome. Kyle, you already know which one's which. Mark, you've tried them both now. Is that right? Yes. And? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, First of all, I like them both a lot. Um, I will say the one on my right, I know that doesn't make good radio, tastes a little fresher, but I think I like the one on the left a touch better. I can't see your glasses to know which is which. Okay. Bill, you any uh, thoughts on them? I get more citrus on my. Uh, I think our lefts and our rights are the same here. Yes, they um, are. So that that's the one I think tastes a little fresher. No, I actually like that one better. The the one on my right, I think, tastes fresher, and I, I like it a little better. Samapan is above beyond. Like I mean, it's not even close. I'm like honestly, like <clears throat> it's. It's a three star and a five star, or maybe a four point nine star. I can't get that. <laughs> I don't like you that much. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, what were you saying? Um, I would drink either, uh, and I'm drinking both at the moment. Uh, <laughs> I thought the one on the left had a little bit more citrus, kind of uh, it does. A, a and smell a little to more it. complexity. Um, and the one on the right had had an earthiness to it, especially kind of. Just as uh, the aroma from it, um, I'm not good at describing. Very, very <laughs> well. All right, uh, so which one is which? The one on your left is the darker one. Mm-hmm. That is some hot pun. Yeah. So yeah, your left is some hot pun. That's yep. ours that we just released. Yeah. I like the citrus notes on that a lot. It's got a lot more um, complexity than the beer. Drinking them side by side is interesting. Uh, to me, one color-wise, um, you know, this one, the Trillium beer is cloudy and very and light and yellow. And light and thinner. And yeah. uh, it's also very dry. Uh, I don't That's get that exactly dryness right. yeah, yeah. out of But ours. you know what? It, it's dry, but then it completely falls away. It's uh, it's really really good, but it doesn't finish complex. It just it's just. That's, right. what, that's, that's what that's what I, I like said. about some, some hot pun, pun is that it's it's very very balanced out and 
I think some, that, and and that dr- the trillium one is not at all. I think that goes to our malt bill more than anything. Yeah, for sure. You know, you get a lot more uh, malt character out of some hot bun. I think personally than out of the uh, trillium. Although the trillium is really good. Like I'm not the trillium is really not good. Playing that um, by any means. Can I tell you that I just really do not like it as much as trillium beers. Like I I, I love their beers, but. I don't like that beer. You don't like this one that we had today? It's just okay. Oh, huh. Huh. oh I mean, it's b- very dry. B- the below, finish below, is super below dry. average yeah. for me. And uh, so, reeducate me. What kind? Uh, you're talking. Uh, what category were you talking these about? These are uh, these are New England IPAs. So an East Coast New England IPA. Mm, it's near, kind of it's become its own style lately. Not uh, nearly as bitter as what yeah. I'm, I'm usually thinking as IPA. Right. I, I generally are going to uh, steer away from that level of bitterness. A couple of big breweries up in the the northeast uh, started making IPAs totally different than anybody else in the country. Uh, Trillium being one of them, kind of one of the trendsetters. Super citrusy, very, very cloudy, and... I was very anti-Northeast-style IPA just based on color because I thought it was lazy beer making, um, honestly, but... Uh, they've kind of grown on me. I, I really like the hot profiles on Northeast style IPAs, and uh, the the turbidness doesn't really bother me as much anymore. Some it, bo- it bothers me more on some than others. Yeah, these two beers you look at them, they're just simply cloudy beers. Some of them look like mud. I would, yeah, I would even say that ours is a little on the clearer side for that <laughs> style. Uh, I mean, you can't really see through it, but it doesn't. You look at it, it doesn't have that like haze hanging in the in the glass like it just kind of looks like a darker mm-hmm. orange beer although i think when you look at the the trillium beer it's kind of the same way just a little bit of a lighter color i mean you drink like a treehouse or uh, you know there's a what's they have a couple of big uh um beers that julius or you look uh, yeah look at those it looks like you drinking orange juice like with pulp in it right you know? yeah I don't think either of our beers that we're drinking right now have that stuff like hanging. Uh, I think I, if you put Julius next to that beer, it's there's not that big of a difference. I think you guys hit a home run with this one. It's really, really good. I'll be honest. When you said let's do these side by side, I, I was nervous, <laughs> you know, to see what these guys would say blind. Sure. But I tell you, after tasting these two side by side, and this isn't, you know, I don't. I like to think it's no Homer bias talking. I can't believe how close and similar that they actually are. I would rather drink ours, if not for anything, just for the simple fact that it's not as dry. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't like leave your mouth just like gasping for water. You know, and that's kind <laughs> like, of what I think of when I think of these Northeast IPAs is mm-hmm. juicy. You know, yeah. like they're they're thirst quenching, mm-hmm. not. I don't want another, or I want another drink right away because sure. my mouth is so dry, and that's exactly what I got out of this one. Yeah. What, now, what's the aroma that I'm getting on the trillium? I mean, when I that, I, that straight that, hops. That I okay. I mean, it's an earthiness, and, and I don't find it particularly appealing. But again, that's just my naive palate. Some of those, even on those northeast style hops that everyone's using, the, a lot of the Australian and Kiwi stuff. I think you get a lot of earthiness out of them. You know, and it, I get fruit, citrus, and pineapple and stuff also. But yeah, kind of a, I don't want to say dirt's the wrong word, but. Uh, dirty stick. Yeah, dirt, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with, with your beer here, I really like the aroma of that. Thank you. It makes it a whole lot easier to drink it. When you like the aroma, if you don't like the smell of it, when you're swigging it down, it's hard to put down. Yeah. I think uh, on the some hot pun, I wish there was a little more tropical fruit. Like, I get a lot of tropical fruit out of the Trillium, and I think that would work really well with uh, the flavor that's already in the some hot pun. Yeah. Like, this was our first time brewing it, kind of so an what experiment. Do you, what do you think you should add? I don't know. Maybe, you know, a slightly different hop bill on it is uh, that a new zealand one or i mean like is I, it I don't know what hops are in this in the trillion one here no i'm, I'm talking about yours oh we have galaxy and uh mosaic in this one so how big a batch are you making it's a barrel and a half okay so what small. is it <laughs> yeah so <laughs> i understand small <laughs> just just what in, what just what hop would you use to make i mean for all our home brewers all our you know what would you use to make that like a little more fruity, a little more? There's so many kiwi hops out there right now that you could. Uh, Wataku is a big one that I think has a super tropical pineapple mango character in there. Um, there's all kinds of good experimental hops out there too that you know just have crazy flavor like that. But I don't know. It would just be something we'd have to play around with and see how one <laughs> hop works with the other hop. Yeah, or three hops or whatever that we're using in the beer. We don't really talk about it that much. B- between you and Jeff, I mean, wh- how much... I mean, obviously you have a small system. How much experimentation do you guys do? I mean, do you do... Is it... It's like, okay, you know, uh, we have this idea, we have these hops, this uh, this grain bill. How much you... I mean, do you do a full batch? Yep. Or can you do a smaller? No, everything we do is... Full a barrel batch. and a half. Uh-huh. We just we got enough confidence in ourselves yeah. that yeah. yeah we we expect it to work, and that doesn't mean that every single beer has you know hasn't even gone down the drain. I mean yeah. we've dumped some because it just simply didn't work. Other ones we we still serve to see you know customer feedback. Even though we were like, well, this isn't exactly what we were looking for, but it's still a drinkable beer. Let's see what people think. Let's get feedback. So that's the best way to do it. Yeah. We can get feedback. That's why we're always asking for feedback on the show, on Facebook and whatnot. We get feedback from our customers saying, I really like this. I wish it was a little more chocolatey. I really like this. wish it was a little hoppier, you know, whatever the case may be. And then we apply that to the next time we make it, you know, until we get, get dialed in. Yeah. So, I mean, you ask how much we actually experiment. I think we experiment a lot. You know, we... We do a lot of shit that nobody else is, has ever even thought of, much less done. I mean, we did the chocolate peppermint stout before anybody else had made one, as yeah. far as I know. Uh, we had used blood orange before anybody else did, as far as I know. Um, we were talking about, when we tried, here's an example of one that went down the drain. We made that uh, chocolate coconut uh, caramel. Uh, caramel, thank you. The, Samoa beer. Yeah, uh, but it just, you know, it didn't meet our standards so that one went down the drain but we're going to try and do that again obviously you have the i mean every batch that you guys make you 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 have your calendar laid out the entire year no we don't i mean i mean but you but you know the the ones that have worked out really well sure we have a base set of x number of beers that we're probably going to brew every year so let's say that you experiment five batches how many of those do you actually sell to us I would say out of, if we did that a hundred times, we would probably be selling ninety-seven of them. Yeah. No, all right. So five batches. That's such a small, 
uh, but you're, dump, size. you're you're dumping that much. We're dumping three out of a hundred. Three out of a hundred, maybe. So if we do five new batches a year, odds are we're putting all five of those on tap. It's rare that we find something that we don't care for. Tony Rocky Horror I mean, was you guys, you was guys make great exception. beer. You you understand the one thing that, and there's really great brewers in our area. You guys understand. I mean, they brew big batches and they just they decide to sell them. It doesn't work that way. They all have pilot systems that they can play around on and brew smaller batches first. You're not going to get the same experimentation out of any of the bigger breweries because they can't risk, you know, brewing 50 barrels of something as opposed to our barrel and a half, you know. Barrel and a half for us goes by pretty quickly, two weeks, you know. If they had to brew 50 barrels of something, how long is that going to sit around for? Yeah, it's just scaling something, you know, even even like if we had to take one of our recipes and scale it up to that size, like you can't do that without playing around because – the every system is different. Yeah, every grain right. reacts different. Did you have any issues with that when you were trying to scale recipes to start with on the on your spirits, or did you always just start with your full size, or do you just do a hundred percent two row? Uh, well, we 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 tried the hundred percent two row, and then we uh, cut oh, that's it how you corn. went to corn. I'm sorry, 60 40 a corn, and then that. I mean, we got lucky that kind of the second batch. That we made really hit so, the sweet spot. Yeah. The first batch you guys ever distilled, though, was on your still that you're using now still? Yes. You never did anything smaller than that at home to test anything out? No. That's crazy. The, the, only, the only crazy thing we did uh, was that, you know, we, we've been working for like 12 months trying to get this idea off the ground, and we had this stripper still. Uh, very rudimentary thing, and it's like we gotta we gotta distill something here. I mean, and so uh, Greg is from Quincy, and he knows the uh, distributor up in Quincy, and the guy had a bunch of stale leftover beer that was beyond its uh, uh, sellable age, and so we got like 50 cases of some awful old Milwaukee <laughs> crap, and we're opening cans for hours, pouring it into this still. So we had some kind of mash here. And and so we did a stripper still. We did that. How problem. drunk were you by the end of that? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. you, every time and, you open one, you got to drink and one. And something's right? coming out the end, and we're like, you know, taking it straight, you know, uh, you know, the, the milk straight from the cow um, at, at that at that point. Uh, but I mean, that wasn't any. I mean, that was. Have you ever thought about crap. having um, Jake brew, like, say, an imperial stout or a amber ale or anything, and trying to distill a different base as an experimental thing um i just know we've had a a guy that brings some some homemade whiskey in and he's distilled some imperial stout stuff uh or base beer uh and uh it actually turned out it was really interesting i would have expected all that flavor to kind of get stripped out but you still got some of that dark malt and roasty coffee notes in it which was super interesting yeah i i think you'd certainly keep that through it just comes it ends up being a volume perspective uh, that to distill it, I'm diluting, diluting, diluting. Sure. Or I'm, I'm sorry, the opposite. I'm, I'm concentrating it to get it into an 80-proof bottle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes such a huge volume to kind of get it to that point. So we do something like that, and we get 12 bottles, and we really like it. Um, square up on the mic, Bill. But it's not enough to get out to market. It's not enough. Sure. I mean, we could sell it there. Um, 
we're, we're more interested probably in playing with different barrels uh, during our break. We were trying something. We're thinking about uh, trying to rye whiskey, uh, branch off in a little bit different direction there. Um, uh, maybe we'll find you know, someone that wants to put a, a beer in an old Starka barrel or something like that and, 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 and co-brand something. Or hey, knows. let's talk about that when uh, the show's over. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, are you guys interested or looking to do any cordials or liqueurs or anything like that as well? Or, or is Starka and Cardinal Sinvaca going to be the only core products and you kind of just work a little bit to the side on on those we'll we'll see how our rye whiskey goes Mm -hmm. i mean that could be a a, another product uh after the response tonight and the sales we've had the omg could certainly be another core product off of that sure um i doubt that we can handle a whole lot more than that in trying to get it out to um uh to market uh, not only not only in missouri but uh we got a distributor in georgia and illinois and, and and a new company that's trying to take us a little bit more national uh, so a limited uh, number of products is probably going to work better for us. Now, tell us how you came up with the name again. Uh, uh, Karen and Pat Sale, two good friends of mine. Um, but uh, Karen works with me in the operating room, and uh, she came in one day and said she and Pat were talking about the night before and decided it had to be Cardinal Sin. Uh, it uh, plays with uh, St. Louis, uh, you know, everything sports. but ev- all the What co- had they done the night before? The cow- <laughs> 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 I don't know. I don't think that's one. It's one of the seven deadly sins. Uh, but uh, got the uh, uh, Catholicism, uh, even our label. We didn't look at that really. Uh, but the uh, label is sloth, the... Uh, scissoring. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, the label is the uh, cardinal mitre, the, the hat that the cardinal wears. Uh, the tree of knowledge is kind of our corporate symbol. Nice. Uh, right. Forbidden fruit. Forgive a, a complete newbie question, but what differentiates a spirit from a liqueur? Uh, liqueurs are going to be a lower proof. It's ABV. That's it. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not a process or anything. It's just lower. Uh, I well, believe. I guess yeah, it would you, be. Bill could probably correct me, but I believe once it's at eighty proof, it becomes a spirit. I think you're right. Okay. It doesn't have anything no, to do with adding something. Oh, yeah, eighty proof. Yeah. Uh, liqueurs uh, are going to be more focused and concentrated on whether making it. Yeah. Within the spirits industry, I mean, just about everything's been fermented. Everything's been yeah. uh, mixed with that. And, okay. And I think you can, I don't know if I have a good definition for yeah, it. Yeah, no, I didn't know if it was a process or if you added, I, I guess, would weigh what, sugar? Like, I mean, is there, I, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know that process. Thank What's you. that? I'm sorry. I was. Ge- generally, want to sti- stay away from adding sugars because then you're just. But isn't that what makes, I thought that was, I thought that was part of making a liqueur was adding sugar in somewhere in that process. But I don't know. I have no I idea. That t- I'd if I had to guess, and it's just a guess, obviously I've never done any of this kind of stuff. But, yeah, yeah I would think that they would have to, when when cutting it, uh, just the, the flavorings, I would guess, would be kind of sugar-based. Yeah. Because those people don't care if you end up with a hangover or not. They just want you to 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 buy their stuff, right. do their shots, and, and whatnot. They don't care about a quality product. So I think a lot of the flavoring are probably sugar-based. I don't think it's a like done on purpose. And again, I'm talking like the flavored vodkas and stuff like that. So if you look oh, at, uh, like let's I mean, say, Grand Monnier or Chamberson, uh, okay. uh, yeah. uh, stuff like that, I think that's more of a product of the ingredients they use to make it. You know, be it the peaches or the grapes or whatever else. I think you get some residual sugars left over yeah, from that. Okay. That makes because sense. Because you're not distilling them all out. 
And again, I'm I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't here, I don't know, you know? either. I, I so. it, it's a, it's something I'd never thought about uh, thought about till right now. So yeah, you said that you have somebody interested to take you nationally. Does that mean <coughs> going a much larger scale new no. distillery? No, it's a, I, I wish. Uh, um, if I could get the George Clooney deal, uh, yeah, you right. know, what, what, $1 billion, billion um, Wait, for him. He has his own distillery? Oh, he yeah. did. He he, had, he had, I don't know this. He, he and two oh, friends. A couple of months ago, he sold. Um, made their own tequila, you know, and their story is. And what, so uh, I think it was a Diageo that bought him. Uh, uh, and basically, I, what Diageo said kind of in the press release is, you know, they own enough distilleries that they can make enough liquor for the entire world three times over probably Jeez. but we what they can't the make is owned, uh, they can't make this before they got them back in right yeah. Yeah. yeah but they can't make the, the story the and and, yeah, and it's a story that sells uh as they can't make i mean they can make it up but there's nothing behind a story if they every make it ounce up. is brewed in george clooney's buttonhole yeah. <laughs> and so that story is what they're buying and stuff huh. and so we're trying to figure out our story uh, but no, our national is, is a small kind of company that more electronically than anything else is trying to get into different states, trying to create sure. an electronic buzz uh, with, uh, depending on whether it's an but open, step, right? I an mean, open or a closed, uh, tri- try to create a little bit of interest. Last year, we were fortunate, um, pardon me, shameless self-promotion. Um, USA Today ran a uh, top craft vodka distillery competition. 30 different distilleries got nominated around the country, and then it was shameless. Get your friends out to vote every day online for 30 yeah. days. Sure. We ended up in first place. So we get to nice. say nice. We're, we're the uh, uh, the best craft vodka distillery in the country. Uh, with that, uh, we're in talks now with the Kansas distributor. Uh, they called us up and said our problem is we got the second and third best, but we don't have the best. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so yeah, we're in if, talks with them. You if know, ever there was a state you needed to drink while you ran in it's Kansas, probably <laughs> Kansas. <laughs> on your way through to Nebraska to get to Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> How important was getting those? medals when you first started was that something you guys sought out to do i think it's nice to put on the label yeah. um i think again it comes almost back to that five six times distilled it's this thing that people put out there as marketing because right. it really really means something sure so really fast who gives out the medals in reality it's a it's a scam <laughs> in, in my view uh i mean we could start our own st louis yeah, competition right. every every St. major Louis city craft cocktail, you know it used to be brewery. just yeah it used to just be the San Francisco competition and that's probably one of the oldest in the United States uh, but now there's an LA there's a Chicago there's a New York there's a Miami um, they usually charge between five hundred and thousand dollars to enter just to enter just to Jesus. enter and wow s- and Holy send shit. us and send us two bottles um, and thank you very much and you know what do they then, do with that money. They, they, they put it in their pockets. Yeah, well, right. I mean, that's advertising it. Like, for the following years. Yeah, yeah right. right. Competition. They, they pay for a really big party. Uh, the event is at a big ballroom setting where people are invited to come in and watch the judges. They get a ten-panel judges, and you know, I, was one of them George Clooney? You can I tell I'm me. I'm not sure <laughs> if he was. Uh, and then they award them, and and basically, you know, it's kind of in a tier. It's not one, two, three, four through five hundred, and it's you know, this is kind of a ninety point or above. We're going to give them a gold medal, and these are like eighty to ninety point. We're going to give them a silver medal, and 
uh, and probably everybody for their $500 gets a medal of some kind. <laughs> uh, and, but it's the same way, I mean, in the wine industry, and you go into one of the Missouri wineries, and, and some of them have great wines, and but, you know, and they show you their 30 medals that they got there, but... What do they mean? If we paid our $500. We've talked about this a lot on the show. There are certain people in in every industry and every walk of life who are going to be swayed by that right i right, mean it's right. not for it's not for people who are really into cocktails or wine or it's for people that are kind of in the middle that would absolutely be swayed by the fact that hey i have 30 medals right this is oh. probably pretty good so we have four gold medals in our first four contests and we stopped at that yeah. point because yeah. just didn't make sense to keep spending yeah I, I feel like, and I kind of buy into this a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know a ton about wine. I like wine. I'm trying to learn more um, recently. But when I go to the store to buy a bottle, I like dry reds. That's like the, that's what I like. Sure. Um, I like when they put the point score on there, which, or the um, awards or whatever, because I'm like, oh, I can get this bottle and it's twelve ninety nine, or I can get this bottle that's also twelve ninety nine, but it, hey, it has an award winner. Well, I'm going to pick that one, right? So sure. I think it has a lot of merit to it as far as marketability goes, even though it might not necessarily mean anything. It does. I don't think it's. I don't think it's linked to anything other than marketing. I mean, I mean clearly, it's, it's people thought it was good enough to win an award, right? right? right. So you can't. You can't say it's all bullshit. Like it's right. definitely. You had a panel of people that pick this and put it in the top category. So it is worth something to someone at some point, and I think marketable markets like our marketability for you know of it is awesome it's certainly beneficial i mean let's face it i brought it up about four times sure today, so, you know, okay. <laughs> i mean it i've heard breweries that win uh either world beer cup or gabf medals which are kind of the great american beer festival um two of the biggest competitions for beer um sales for those particular beers that win gold medals there like skyrocket every year sure because people look for those lists as soon as the contests are over and say oh what one i have to go out and get it now right but that makes i mean look i mean although they're arbitrary i mean trying to rise above the noise that is every aspect of the alcohol industry now i mean there are so many beers coming out so many liquors coming out you're constantly bombarded by new things and if nothing else you put in your blood sweat tears time knowledge everything else to make a product just to be validated by by an impartial yeah. party is worth all, everything to me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, we have never entered a single competition. I don't intend to anytime soon. But to have that, I I can certainly see the the appeal. I would love to win a gold medal. We don't enter anything, but you know, sure, it'd, it'd be it'd be great. Just if if for no other reason than validation, than the validation that. All of this work that you've put into is being appreciated yeah. by someone. Yeah. And if somebody wins a gold medal and it's a beer that I've never had before, my curiosity's peaked at minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we uh, uh, you're talking earlier about you know we're trying uh, your beer versus a very established uh, big beer here, you know, and being a little bit nervous. Uh, when we came to market in 2012, I mean, so we're three guys that have been trying this. Nobody's tasted our product, but maybe our wives. Uh, we like it. We're not really sure. And uh, Lucas Liquors had this like craft beer thing, and they were going to invite the four craft distillers for a weekend event. There were only four of them at that time in Missouri. And we were like racing, racing, racing against the clock to get it ready for that weekend. We had like four cases made 
and now we have to go have this guy who's in charge of the liquor section at Lucas try it. And he was the first guy. And it's like, it was kind of make or break night. Sure. Um, and uh, Adam England was in charge of uh, uh, the, the liquor at Lucas at that point. And, and I mean, I think I almost peed my pants. As <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, cause Who I, were I, the four distillers at that point? I mean, I'm sorry, it was the three of us. Uh, no, you said there were four craft um, distilleries. So uh, uh, Square One, St. Louis Distillery, uh, Steve Newcomb down, uh-huh. downtown. Because um, um, I think Steve was first. Um, there is a local company that makes uh, the Big O. Gin- it's a ginger. Oh, you already yeah. said you don't yeah. like ginger. Yeah. Uh, but it's a really great liqueur that we still we should have had Bill here, a uh, different Bill, uh, yeah. to tell <laughs> us what a liqueur is. Um, and... Um, was still 6.30 open oh, yet? And, and, and Mastermind over in Illinois. Uh, no, I don't know, yeah, though. Yeah, I've, I've had they do vodka as well. Is that right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've had that at some point somewhere. Right. The name sounds familiar. But I don't remember if I liked it or so, not. But cool. But, but getting to market, racing to do it, getting everything done. I uh, actually forgot one form with the state. We were on the uh, um, sales rack for like a month illegally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> had, had to give Maricopas to the state. And say, I, I didn't know about that form. Um <laughs> But, uh, you know, to, to get that validation that night where Adam England, uh, you know, who's in charge of the liquor section at Lucas, and, and he basically said it was the best vodka he'd ever tasted. And we were like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's a big get. I mean, Lucas it's, is a big account. Huge, yeah. Yeah. You have somebody there that can tell customers when they come in, hey, try this new vodka. It's the best thing I've ever had. That's a pretty good statement on that. Out, out of the four vodkas that I've had in my life straight, <laughs> Carnelson was definitely the best one. Yeah. So it beat pop off, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Uh, we're uh, the show's starting to run a little long here, so we're gonna move on to uh, Good Boy's Blind Beer of the Week. Uh, good boy, he's 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 on the mic. What's going on, guys? Step away from the mic to breathe in. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know. I mean, we've done this before. Everyone knows what's up. So, uh, Kyle chugged his, so I don't think he's going to have any opinion. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> he's in the bathroom right now. I'm pretty sure Kyle is annihilated. Oh, yeah. I don't know if anybody else has noticed a slurring yeah. in the swaying. I don't think he knew uh, whose glasses were whose when he handed them to me. So. That's fine. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> right off the bat, I took a smell and a small sip, and uh, Belgian gold nail came to mind. Really? Because I smell hops, and I don't know if that's left over from uh, I, I, the, I the got IPAs the we were drinking. Too, and I wasn't sure about that either. It could be. Uh, My first thought was IPA. It's so sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm on IPA page. I'm not not Belgian Gold. This was the first time I've taken a drink of it. There shouldn't be anything uh, left over from the uh, other beers. I I natty rinsed uh, anything. Uh, that oh, okay, natty cool. rinse is always good. Uh, so, Bill, just so you know what we're doing here. Uh, our friend Good Boy here. Good Boy Bill. Bill, Good Boy. Uh, every week for the show, well, almost every week for the show, he brings us a beer. We don't know what it is. We don't know a style. We don't know anything about it. And he pours it, and we try and figure out what it is and give our thoughts on it. And basically, we just try and guess style ABV and give our thoughts. So Got it. We're not great at this. Speak for yourself. Am. I'll also say this one. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody uh, has had this beer before, so. Hop slam. Is it hop slam? It's hop slam. Is it hop slam? Please tell me this is five year old hop there's, slam. There's five year old hop slam. It's not. <laughs> I got that in my cellar. I'll bring it in. <laughs> it's just. Is it fresh? Yeah. Okay. 
Thank you. <laughs> is it a Prince of Bel Air? I don't know what that is. <laughs> Fresh Prince. To me, this tastes like your standard five and a half, six percent IPA. I, I'm, I'm exactly there. I don't get Belgian golden at all. I only I'm going. You what? Oh, I, I didn't say anything. Uh, I'm going to go yeah. higher. I'm calling uh, seven, eight. You're wrong. 7.8. You're 7.8% Belgian golden? I don't know if it's Belgian golden. <laughs> 7.8. It's, it's got a I little booziness no to it. Uh, man, this is a tough one for me. And after I nailed the braggot last week, like now I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a style I had never heard of before last week. I'm going to go with a dry hop Belgian ale. Uh, 7.5%. Uh, I'm sticking with this uh, uh, Snoop IPA. IPA. Do you Make lose if you go over? Yeah, yeah. yeah. the price is right. Rules <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, I'm going 1%. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good boy. I could see What's this the reveal. All right, uh, Justin way off on style, but nailed it on the uh, ABV. Uh, this is Highlight from Cigar City. Oh, oh. All right. Oh. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. 7.5%. 7 7.5? Yep. All right. It was very boring compared to the last two IPAs we just had. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. And the lineup in general. This is the worst. Not the worst, but the I just most got straightforward thing we've had tonight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just got a lot of sweetness. It just reminded me of uh, like a Belgian. Like I know what you're talking about a little bit, but I'm not fully I, there. I don't. It tastes like an IPA to me. Yeah, I, I still I, got yeah. a little of your left, last one left over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, All right, fun. everybody. Well, this has been the 11th episode of The Brews Room. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. A big thanks uh, to our friend from St. Louis Distillery. Go out and drink as much Cardinalson vodka as you could possibly put your gullet on. Hope everybody had a great time tonight. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Brews Room, brought to you by St. Bruce Radio. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show, but who are we kidding? Of course you did. The show's awesome. We'll be back next week. If you want to meet any of us live, you can come to Exit 6 at 5055 Highway N in Cottleville. Shamrocks at 4177 Veterans Memorial Parkway in St. Peter's. Check out one of Mark's trivia shows. The schedule can be found at questionablersuits.com. Call us on Twitter at The Brews Room and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Brews Room. You can always download any of our podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher or any of the other favorite podcast apps or stream us at stbrews.com slash thebrewsroom. Until next week, keep on drinking those beers. 